0: It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut.
1: Gut Talks. Hi, I'm Jerry Scullion and you're listening to Gut Talks, double G, U, double T. Hi, I'm Jerry Scullion and you're listening to Gut Talks, double G, U, double T. There you
0: go. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Maria and welcome to Season 3 of Gut Talks, WGUWT, a podcast about business, design, and gut feelings. We release a new episode every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And this is the new twist of season three. I started Gut Talks a couple of years ago to educate, spread some karma on the board, connect, reconnect, or learn from awesome entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and investors. I feel we're growing by the day, thanks to your feedback and everyone who's been on the show. By the way, there are no sponsors, but a like, a share, a comment and hitting the subscribe button would mean a lot. Now let's get started. Jerry Skullian works at the intersection of projects, trainings, community building and coaching. He's a musician and a fellow podcaster since 2017, which you can find on Spotify. All links are in the description. Besides all his activities, he found time to create Makers and Doers, an initiative from the Human-Centered Design Network, his community. We start off talking about Jerry, his journey, his projects, and thoughts. We had a lovely conversation and got to know a bit more about the man behind the podcast. But before we get started, you will probably hear us mentioning Adam Lawrence multiple times. Adam was on Gut Talks, he was also on Jerry's podcast, we collaborate with him and yeah, he's, he's kind of a connector too. So big shout out to Adam and let's get going with Jerry Schoolium on Gut Talks. First of all, I like your background. So whoever is watching this as a video, I do like your background. Thanks. Um, Jerry, we, we met online on mm. a couple of occasions. I think I did enroll in one of your courses that was recommended by Adam Lawrence. So he had like two tickets left and like to to us like, okay, well, it was during COVID, I think. So yeah. And then we met online through other communities. Um, Yeah. So.
1: Marcus and Florian and Adam ran a conference in Nuremberg called Teaming with AI. And I was sitting in a hotel room on my own in Nuremberg where the conference was one. It was kind of very meta. I was like, I'd flown all this way to be on a laptop in a hotel room where, where the conference was on two blocks away because they were doing a thing the night before. But anyway, you yeah. weren't there the day after, though, I don't think. Really? I was
0: online, so it's like right. we weren't lonely in uh, Nuremberg. Whenever, yeah. every, everyone was online, so I was online, and uh, we ended up in a room online together. Yeah. Oh, that's uh,
1: right. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah that was good fun. Yeah. I fell asleep, I think. I think I was... Uh, <laughs> I, I got so comfortable in the conversation that I actually got into bed.
0: <laughs> actually, I know I remember it was a silent room, so we had different options. One of mm. them was, was the silent room, so we ended up being in the silent room. But then other people joined, and then it yeah. didn't end up being silent. So you left.
1: No. <laughs> I, I, I left. Well,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I was starting to fall asleep. I was so tired. Like that day, I was like, I do remember being in a in a silent room. I was like, what is this? This, yeah. is too, this is too experimental for my brain. So I left a silent room in a Zoom room online in the venue or in, in the city where the, where the conference was gone. I was like, no, nah, this is not for me. I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it's part of the whole experimentation thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and you're into that. And Absolutely. Um, I just want to say, you're a podcaster, too. So I don't think I've yeah. had many podcasters on this podcast. I think I had a few, a couple, maybe. Yeah. Um, and you've been running your podcast since 2017.
1: Yeah, six years. It's mad. Six
0: years. Do you want to say anything about this? Just um... Well,
1: yeah, like it started as a somewhat of a, a kind of a dare, I guess. I was like, can I can I do it and get it all set up in 28 days? And then it just kind of took a life of its own. And even like every time I say, oh, well, this is, this is as many listeners as I can get. I just kind of go, okay, it's grown again and grown again. And the newsletter keeps on going bigger. So I need to um, stop my WhatsApp as well. Yeah, uh, no Yeah, it's just like, it's called the Human Centred Design Network. And it is a network. We have a private community there as well. That's a paid community for designers and change makers to, to get together and not just talk about making the world a better place. You've got a paid community and we run training as well. as so We run through, training through this is hcd.com. Sounds like I'm on a sales pitch here um, yeah. but, and I do coaching. That's how I make my money. How, how I kind of pay myself is through video-based coaching. So on-demand learning, in-person coaching or online coaching and uh, the private community and premium podcast. And oh, look, it's a nightmare. Anyone asks me that question when I'm out, they go, what do you do? Um, I just kind of go, I'm a designer. That's probably what I say. I'm a designer.
0: Yeah. So you do one-on-one and one-to-many stuff online and in person.
1: Exactly. The coaching bit is where I really, really enjoy like working with one on one change makers to try and um create that space and hold space with them to have conversations about what might be holding them back as practitioners, any problems that they're they're currently facing in their in their teams. Um because what I'm seeing at the moment is generally speaking, leadership in organizations have a real uh, challenge on their hands because they some of them don't have any experience. And then the actual leaders within the design functions within the teams are so stretched, they're not able to give that level of uh, nurturing or support to emerging talent. So that's kind of the gap um, that I'm hoping and trying daily to fill by connecting with these people and supporting them and working on a 12 week program to help them, you know, kick some goals
0: so let's go back a bit in time because you obviously have 20 years of experience as a designer yeah and about 10 12 years 12 years i think as i read right (laughs) of experience in training coaching and so on yeah yeah exactly um and you're based in ireland based in ireland now
1: but um i lived in australia for 14 years so when that's why you know if you look at anything that i do there's always a bunch of aussies in there like you know you know to me they're the greatest people on earth i i love australians so much because i identify as half australian now and citizen of australia citizen of ireland so i'm on both fences i've got my bum on ireland and i got my legs up on australia so i you know that's the way i like to say it to my friends and family but yeah so i spend an awful lot of time in australia and i've been doing this for quite a while as you said like so i i just i love it um but i'm always looking for people to work with it's not a case. Um, I sit back and relax and you know, kind of go, I don't know what I'll do this week. It's a constant struggle. That's one of the things that probably be interesting to talk about. Like, you know, it's not a, um, it's not one of these jobs where you, you kind of sit back and relax and, and just let the work flow in. You have to be on seven days a week. And um, that's kind of where, where I'm at in my career. Like I, I have to fight to, to get the work in.
0: So let's, go back you're seeing lots of like interesting things here but i want to go back a bit in time and i thing. i know back
1: in time. <laughs> actually actually i do look back to the future
0: there we go so no thank you for that i like all of those effects so you know yeah. in, in my first and second season i think i had a gong when I would talk, um, ask about like yeah gut feelings, but then I dropped it. Sometimes it was too loud or not, and and it would scare people sometimes. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay. So my um, question here, I'm gonna try to frame it in a way that makes sense. Now tell me if I'm completely wrong, but mm-hmm. I had a few conversations with a friend who's uh from Ireland, okay. and uh, he, you know, he kind of um relates. To actually two different people and they, they both kind of related to you know when I would say I'm, I'm from Lebanon right it's, it's not something I like walk with like a, you know a bit like you like I I don't really feel I completely belong to a place I can be anywhere I, I like meeting people so it doesn't matter but one thing here is they could relate to you know war like like lack of stability you name it So I want to ask you, how was your childhood like, or you being as Mm. like a teenager? What is it that led you to what you do today? Because you really got itchy feet, do multiple things. Is there anything, yeah, any story, any memory? I don't know.
1: So I grew up in a small town outside of Dublin, and it was very small. But my father was from Northern Ireland and built the first supermarket in Northern Ireland. Okay, in the 60s so that's to give you an idea and they had a post office next to it and they had an agri business it was like one of these kind of country stores okay um but my mom was from dublin and you know relocated up to the north during the troubles so ireland as an island is made up of two countries there's northern ireland and ireland and like the history of northern ireland is very complex but basically involves the British coming over um, and holding space for 800 years. And generations of British people lived there and called it home, one of which is my wife. So my wife is Protestant, British from Northern Ireland. I am, you know, Southern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, Catholic. And we're um, a basically a product of a modern Ireland is what I'd like to say. So the, the the unity is still kind of, you know, a work in progress. But my parents relocated from the north due to the troubles and um, that shop, that post office. Ultimately, it was being held up, you know, by paramilitaries. My We don't want to wear our kids up here. So we moved down to Dublin. So it was always in my kind of consciousness that there was this, that there was problems in our country, okay, probably not too dissimilar to you growing up in the Lebanon. There was a noise, you know, we turn on the news in the 80s, and we were still kind of finding our identity down in the south, because we'd only been made a republic maybe 80 or 90 years ago, so we are still kind of trying to find our identity. We weren't really too sure who we were, but lots of things started to happen in the late 80s u2 as a band started to get international success um river dance we started winning all these eurovision contests guinness was being celebrated internationally we were like okay things were maybe we maybe we shouldn't be ashamed of all of these things that like you know were happening in our country there's, there's reason to be positive okay so Ireland went through a huge flux in the 90s that's an flux <laughs> and um lots of change happened like literally we were there and we we went from in the 80s of being a relatively poor country into the 90s where there was so much optimism and i believe that period of the 80s and 90s especially i'm a gen xer so we were change makers it was in our dna we were questioning the church in ireland we were questioning who we were um we were questioning this generation just questioned everything like there must be better ways to do these things and i ended up studying industrial design in dublin in ireland which was i guess i think that course is gone now it's it's like a product design function but really was more thinking holistically so we incorporated some systems thinking and stuff this was in the late 90s so really i wouldn't hold much credit to my third level education i didn't particularly value that whole experience of becoming an industrial designer but it wasn't really until i got to australia where i found that design was being valued and design had a seat at the table and you didn't have to be you didn't have to sell what you were doing in as much as you would have to do it in in other places i found but anyway that's that's a really kind of a story about my childhood um and where i got to but i think the whole kind of the fire, the itch, as you say, in the feet, it came from that whole kind of desire to make things better. And I still believe it. I still hold it true. Like it's something I whisper into my children's ear every day. I'm like, come on, what voice are you hearing inside your head today? Who are you? Come on, let's try and do it. Like, you know, so that's, that's the attitude I have. And it's my makeup. You know what I mean?
0: It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut. Gut Talks. This is the end of this episode of this segment with Jerry Spill. Thanks for listening and watch out for the next one.